game. All right, it seems to be working. My business. It's good. Yes. Should we do some sort of intro? November twelfth, two thousand and twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out some sort of like stamp intro. Yeah, yeah, like the standard. Standard, like hello everyone, kind of thing. Yeah. But maybe well, I don't know. Maybe we'll get better at this. We just get better at this. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I don't mind. I guess we keep doing it. We can like, yeah, figure that out and then rebrand a little bit and stuff. And Yeah. I feel like the hardest thing is actually the doing. Yeah, yeah. Like and then we making, can repurpose content. And yeah. Stuff. And you can like redirect the path we take or I feel like it hopefully will just evolve on its own. Yeah. Because um, uh, I guess we don't really know. No, that's so cool. much what's interesting. But um, thank you for giving me your book. Thanks for reading it. Which is what we are going to talk about today, <laughs> which is Glowface. Isn't that cool? You are right. That is a wicked name. <laughs> because I had it on this copy on my coffee table for a bit. Mm. And um, like John or other people that I know would come past and... Um, be like that is a great name. Oh really? That's a great name. <laughs> and I think someone even commented on the picture. Okay. I think, I, I think it might have been. Um, it might have been John. But yeah, oh, that's a that's a cool picture for that. It's exactly appropriate. I yeah, I was very proud of finding it. Not that I did it, but like, <laughs> of course, like I just googled the shit out of it. Yeah. And found it, but um, but no, yeah, the name just kind of stuck with me when I heard it for the first time the concept of a glow face and then it just felt appropriate and that sort of contrast between I think I like the nature contrast as well like I first heard it in the context of like a campfire and um this guy was always he used to do a lot of like four-wheel drive trips and, and go camping and stuff and then that's what they would refer someone on their phone around a campfire as was was a glow face and I was like and I just that because you can sort of see the subtle blue glow in different parts of people's life, but when you sort of see it in the darkness and then people have the phone out in the middle of the nature, it's just that real contrast. And So, yeah, no, I, I, I like it. It feels, feels like it's sort of sticking a bit and um, feels kind of, I don't know, catchy. Yeah. A little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like anything with the face is some sort of reference to Facebook. You can't, yeah. can't really go even, You can even go there, right? Yeah, you can go yeah, subtle. Yeah, yeah. How deep, deep does it go? <laughs> Illuminating. Yeah, what was the true it. author's intentions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, you're saying like, I like where you've written it all out and you're kind of wording it in the sense of, uh, I guess in the relation to the beginning, you're talking about the campfire as well. Mm. And stealing seems to come up a lot in it. So I guess you feel a bit frustrated towards how technologies influence your friends or your social groups. Yeah, I think um, it was a word I played with a lot, whether it was, and I, I think I used the, the loss of as the, as the chapter titles, but then the positioning in, in terms of its stealing. And I think it's a really active um, you know, it's quite an active verb in that, and it's an aggressive verb in that sense as well. Where it's, it's can I cut you off for a sec? Um, we should say what it is that we're stealing. Oh, and we've said it specifically. So, so. the this subtitle of Glowface is how technology is stealing our humanity, um, which is aggressive. Like that's quite forward, and I, I, I'm sort of thinking about different ways to phrase it sometimes because it is, it might be too much, um, but. 
I think the word, yes, yeah, like I said, it's quite aggressive. But I, I think necessarily so because I think it is. There is this active role of technology in invading our lives in such a way that it is taking things from th- things from us without us knowing. And I sort of think that's the word stealing is you don't realize you've been stolen from until after the fact. Mm. And I think that that's often the case with technology is you, it sort of creeps into your life. You don't see it coming and you sort of wake up and realize something's gone after a few years. And I think that's what I touch on with a few of the, sub- the, the topics is that sort of a concept where technology has crept in, haven't seen it coming, and then all of a sudden we have something very different to what we thought we'd have to begin with. And in that sense, technology has stolen the heart of what, the, of what was really there. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that kind of <clears throat> two-prong. You know, one, it's, it's aggressive, having necessarily so, but also it's, it's this act of, not real. Not, it's not like we're giving things up to technology. I think there's, there's a two. You can look at it from two lenses. One is you can look at it from we ma- we are making the decision to hand over parts of our lives to our phones and screens and 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 I guess that's how we use the term technology more in a social context. Mm. You know, <clears throat> very pro medical advances and all these other wonderful things that technology brings. But I think it's a, the the book kind of sets it out around screens in our lives tv laptops computers phones um and i think yeah there's this sort of two-pronged view you could say okay we're, we are actively participating in these parts of our lives and in, and in so actively participating we're giving up to technology and i think i i, I would say i would disagree with that in in i would say it's very much a an invasion or a stealing of those things in our life we don't realize things are going often until it's too late and so i think yeah that's the sort of concept of stealing and i reference like you mentioned fire as well like i reference the concept of fire early in the book as a, as a bit of a metaphor because i think it's it's that it, it fire can come in and overtake you know communities and towns without asking questions and it, it, it can it can it can steal a lot but also when you can control it it can give a lot of life it can provide i mean that's, that's how we survived as humanity for thousands and thousands of years right because mm. we made fire mm. and i think it's an apt metaphor when when uh, hopefully it's an apt metaphor in the sense that it's not this whole anti-technology book it's this well there's a role for it when then we control it it makes our lives better mm. But we need to control it. Otherwise, if we don't control it, it will overtake us and steal things from us. Mm. Um, and, and and that's kind of where I get out with that metaphor and hope to position it in such a way that, yeah, it's not as if I'm trying to come in and say it's all bad. It's coming in and saying, well, we'll it's how we're letting it into our lives. Is, yeah, definitely. Is, I, is I, a problem. It's so much. So many things like that seem to need some sort of governance over in order for us to be able to use it appropriately. Yeah, we're primitive at heart. We're instinctively going to do what's best, and if anything, that's probably the best of us are going to find the shortest cut to the fastest results. Mm. You know, we want we want the best things we can. So it's kind of inevitable. I think I like what you're talking about. When did you mention sapiens through there, or at least some sort of learning? idea when these things have happened so quickly for us yeah it's yeah yeah for us so, to keep up with yeah definitely i think there's def- there's as you talk about from an evolutionary standpoint how we you know 
we simply haven't been able to adapt to mm. to what you know the the rapid nature of our world around us now versus how when we used to adapt to changes in our environment we would be slow and gradual but now we have this clear you know one of the most significant stimulus in, in human history mm-hmm. in terms of tech in terms of you know, internet and, and, and phones and we just don't have time to adapt and and, and you know to your point it just we we more we haven't built either the evolutionary framework as a species and we don't have, we don't want to have time I don't think to do that mm. and so we need to take I think it's this taking a step back and I had you build some controls otherwise it will exploit our weaknesses rather than build our strength up mm. and so much like things like drinking I mean or even looking from one step of drinking from prohibitions extreme to eating in the 70s mm. and 80s and how we're looking at the same repercussions as results of behaviors that our bodies weren't prepared for mm. and so maybe this is the the screen time has a similar sort of influence I mean I agree completely I've had to, I remember having conversations with good friends friends I'd call at the time best friends I'd be spend weeks with I'd live with them and they'd have conversations where they'd look up to talk to me but look down on their phone when they weren't and their excuse is no no I'm not writing anything I'm just like looking at pictures and it seems it's so disconnecting it Mm. seems and to have the conversation maybe five or six years ago felt strange you felt unusual to not have Facebook you felt unusual not to have you know a connection with your phone where you want to respond all the time so it's uh, it's good to I think more and more people are becoming aware on how problematic it is and how many connections it has to depression and anxiety and you touched on that as well yeah i I think um i think it's got a it's interesting how you sort of mentioned prohibition and and food and and other i guess things that last 100 200 years drugs as well that have come up from a societal standpoint and we have reacted as society to it Mm. in, in different ways and i think it's it's interesting because I mean all those things are sort of built around, you know, dopamine, the coping called dopamine in our in our minds, and it is a probably an overabused excuse, dopamine, right? But I think it's relevant in the sense that often these other um, uh, things that generate dopamine or addictive behaviors in in our minds have a feedback mechanism, right? You drink too much, you throw up. You take too much drugs, you, who the fuck knows what happens, right? Yeah. You overdose, things bad things that happen, right? Or you eat too much food, you get fat, you feel sick, right? So there's these very natural mm. biological feedback mechanisms in place for all these other things from a dopamine eliciting standpoint that are evolutionary built into us. And when the conversation that arises at a society level around, okay, how can we put some frameworks in place around drugs or alcohol or, or food and obesity and things like that, I think the, the shift has been there has been in the right direction. You think about obesity and, and, and food and like these days, it's a very at least Westernly speaking, a very mm. normal conversation to think about health and exercise and, and, and that sort of thing. Where, whereas, although I agree the conversation with phones is and screens is is trending in the right direction. I mean, Netflix last year, The Social Dilemma came out and that was very popular for a long time around. Uh, Tristan Harris was speaking on that and are, 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 you know around this whole conversation around how can screens control us. But I just I wonder then when we have this social conversation about it then. There's no biological feedback mechanism aside, I think, from anxiety and depression that come from abuse of these technologies that's really as prevalent as things like alcohol and, 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 and drugs and, and food. I think because, one, mental health is you know, certainly not less, much less stigma around it in, in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, I'd say. Mm. But I still I think less a 
you can't look at someone and see they've got depression. You just look, you can see they've got a drug issue or they're an alcoholic or something's wrong and there's other parts of their life that, and, and or obesity, right, or food, right? But I think with with the, the, the social issues that come from screen addiction are very apparent, but also at the same time, not as easily addressed. Mm. Um, and, and although we have this social conversation, this, this, I mean, we still find ourselves more and more entrenched with our, our phones and our screens every day. And, and I, I think the, you know, continuing the conversation around, well, how is this impacting people's mental health is the most, is one of the best ways to, to move forward in the conversation mm. around actual change. Um, because, because that's often the question, how do you get out of this, right? How, how do you, what, how, okay, if it's a problem, how do you fix the problem? I think, you know, I think that's part of the solution is, is moving the conversation towards, you know, mental health issues because I think that's a huge part of the problem. I think you're absolutely right. Some way of focusing around how these things can improve our lives by removing them. And the depression and anxiety thing seems to be the way we handle so many of these addictions is once it's too late it's yeah. already entrenched and often byproducts of those you know overexposure to screens of the anxiety and depression is more screen time and yeah like any sort of habit right anything looking for some degree of escapism so it's tricky to figure it out and i wonder where the question lies in the discussion around better use of screens or better use of i guess uh, better habits to use your time with. Mm. Yeah, I think as well the 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 social conversation that's occurring at a younger age as well, like children who you know the anxiety, and depression, in younger people is coming up. Whereas these mm. other social issues, was adults, right? Adults got obese, took drugs, alcohol, whatever the other social issues have occurred in the last hundred years. Whereas now it's a sort of a child issue. And to your point as well, like okay, how how do we how do we shape you know, when you when you're an anxious ten year old on Instagram, and you're mm. a girl, and you're trying to get out of that cycle, then you don't have the biological capability to break the cycle and to think, oh, okay, I'm going to now and go and invest my time in painting or or, or stepping out of this vicious social media That's cycle, right. right? Because well, one, you're ten years old, you don't have the biological structure in place to combat this addiction but of course parents should right there's a degree of education that needs to oh go. and i think there's I a mean, huge there's no responsibility yeah. on a child for their a limited responsibility on the child for the behaviors they absolutely have, totally agree i think that's a, a lot of what i enjoy about this conversation is educating at the parent level that you know i i really hate the idea that you can just give someone a computer and they are expected to learn how to manage themselves in front of it mm. like that's no like no one's ever taught like they try and teach kids about technology in school from a how to use powerpoint how to use word mm. there's no there's no conversation around mm. how to how to turn the fucking thing off yeah. like and how to, how to actually go and do other work not on a, how to control it how do you how do you control it right and you know i think when when you get the conversation educating parents moving them in that direction creating creative opportunities for their kids to do other things with their time in a productive way moving them out of this vicious cycle i think that's when you can progress it but i think at the first stage it's and that's kind of what i wanted to write with Glowface was there's a problem and i think that's kind of what i wanted to get out in a few different areas that people see that there's a problem and maybe we could have conversations around well 
because that's the first step in moving out of an uh, any sort of issue in our lives is acknowledging that there's a problem. I often think parents just go, oh, it's a phone, it's an iPad. There's no problem there. It's just part what well, everyone does it, right? It's just part of what yeah. our lives are. And I think that is is part of the starting point as well. Is it's it's not just okay to give your child a phone. Mm. Then you start considering the, the consequences of these actions. Absolutely. You like, take more responsibility in yeah. what you're getting your children to do with their time. Yeah, absolutely. Or even your own time. I mean, because most of it, we don't... I mean, my understanding, children... I don't have any. But <laughs> the children, um, they copy, right? They absolutely, emulate, yeah, right? 100%. And, and I've, I've heard it a lot. And I think that, uh, from parents, uh, not to say I talk to a lot of parents, but just socially, when I was engaging people like, um, like Naomi's family... They've got young kids in their teens, and they're sort of complaining about their kids' screen exposure, and and they're doing so in the context of them watching TV. And the irony is just so lost because, well, like, <laughs> yeah, they're on their fucking phone, but you're on your on watching yeah, TV for yeah. four or five hours a night. Like, what do you expect them to do? Yeah. Like when you are not shaping and. and yourself in a way that puts parameters around these things like you know you can parents who limit their kids screen time mm. on their phone and then the kids see their parent on their phone after their kids get locked out of their screen time right yeah. like like it's it's it, do as i say as long as i do is not enough in, in, in this situation no, um and it's it, inevitable it's, i mean it's a social and cultural standard yes. it feels unusual to do otherwise i remember telling kids in high school um, my like best friends now too saying oh I don't watch TV because there's mm. a solid chunk mm. in my late like mid to late teens I wasn't watching TV and it's like that's so weird it's so weird for doing that and I remember feeling really like ostracized a little bit by it because it came up a few times like oh this is kind of unusual <laughs> great you know I thought I was doing something cool but yeah it's I mean I love so that much, now so though, like, I, I, I love that in conversation when people talk about and it's 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 an inflated sense of self pride, hundred percent. But people go, "Oh, have you have you watched Squid Games? Have you watched You or some other fucking Netflix mm. thing?" It's like, nope, nope. I don't watch TV series. Yeah, I don't. Just don't get into it. I watch okay. I watch NFL once a week, uh, and that's on for three months of the year, and then I don't watch TV series. That's great. Like and but there's this and I think there's this. You're right. There's this narrative, and I'm sure it's still prevalent in, in high schools. Is you're the why. What's that weird kid who doesn't have Instagram or Facebook or doesn't watch TV series? Mm. And as an adult, you're mature enough to go, I take pride in that. Like, yeah, yeah. fuck you, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. This is how I find more value than, than watching a TV series. Yeah. But as, an 18, as, as, as a you know, 6 to 18-year-old at school, like, that's really hard to, mm. to I find, that, find that identity. And I think you can, you can help kids find that identity if you're the parent on the other side going, no, no, it's good. It's good you don't watch TV. Like... You're investing. Is this will pay off? This will pay off, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. You're the you're the example. Like I never wanted to be. I always wanted to be a PT, but never willing to do it because I was never comfortable with my body shape until <laughs> I got strong enough and built enough, and I was like, "This is how I should look." And I looked back at the PTs. They're like, "None of them look healthy." <laughs> <laughs> you want to be that kind yeah, of educator? Yeah, yeah. Like you want to be like, yeah, you want to be almost admired in the sense of what you're doing for the for the kids. Absolutely, like, yeah. I feel like that's uh. It is hard to do because I I love like I didn't I used to hate it until I got um, until I got married and Ash was doing it all the time was watching TV series I used to fucking hate it mm. I'd rather play some computer games at least I was talking to my friends <laughs> you know 
and then I got into it a little bit, and then I just like realized there's a weird balance between watching the newest series and watching the things you actually like. Because there was a period of time where I'm just like, I'll just watch you know, the new thing that's going to be really cool. Because I'd love to get stoned and watch a whole season. And I hate sitting down normally. So it was like a real, I'm like, this is great. I'm comfortable. I'm eating snacks and yeah. watching shows. And um, feeling like I'm doing what I should have done at 15. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it dries up. It feels less, less exciting. So I still really like to watch a TV series. But there's only a couple I'll go and watch. I think there's an interesting balance because I still see the whole act of watching TV as the quintessential, um, like, white, uh, overweight man in yeah. a large house yeah. covered in chips. Some, some dude from The Sopranos or something. Mm. You know, I think it's gross. But it's still, like, it lures you in. Like, I love oh, watching yeah. a movie. Yeah. On that note, I loved your description in the book when you're talking about um, one of Walt Disney's employers, employees, rather, was that in your book? Uh, I was talking about Walt. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The CEO of Walt Disney. Um, uh, Bob Bob Iger. That's right. Uh, to go and watch a movie. Yeah, with his grandparents. Oh, what reminiscence that is. So, well, you're talking about he's gone to see this movie with his, his grandparents. Yeah. And, and what goes on? So, he uh, talks in a documentary about his first experience going to a movie. And he was, he was I think he was sort of four or five years old. And he can vivid, vividly describe the experience about going to the cinema and sitting down and watching the movie uh, and and you can sort of see him talking about it with just such joy and I, I think you sort of compare that with kids these days who would have no concept about uh, that level of excitement or engagement with a TV series or a movie right because it's, it's something that would just get fed all the time and I think it was a great example around, well, there's nothing wrong with, there's something still very beautiful about and amazing about a TV series or a movie, right? But it's, it is how we digest those things today in copious amounts that takes the beauty and the, and the, and the fascination around it, right? You, you want, like, the, the delayed gratification of waiting once a week for a mm. TV series is now gone. Like, you know, having to sit through three weeks of Dragon Ball Z to see Freezer and Goku, fi- Goku and finally fucking fight was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, it was, a good, good was like, movie. oh yes, we're finally there. Finally. Come like, <laughs> on, my motherfucker. Yeah, but, but three <laughs> minutes of fighting. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but that is, it's even that shift and change in such, in such a dramatic way that's taken a lot of the value out of things that, you know, are truly amazing projects these tv shows these movies are great creative works mm. um but you know kids kids any adults as well i think myself personally i've Definitely lost mean, a yeah. lot of the wonder of that kind of content due to its accessibility and my consumption of it mm. and you know i i sort of talk about um this sort of concept of, of, of shallow and, and deep meaning and, and thinking and I think there's there's the overconsumption of media and, and, and things like TV shows and movies right in this example it's very shallow it creates it, it just you sit on the surface of, of, of the appreciation of the content but when you look at um, Bob Iger's example of, of going like the depth that he experienced in that in, in that cinema when he was four years old stuck with him for 60 years mm. and shaped his life that he would be the CEO of Disney at one stage mm. like that's phenomenal like and that's really powerful stuff that you can 
you know, and that's still technology. <laughs> it's still TV, right? Yeah. But like, it's consumed in such a way that creates the value back in it and it comes back to the sort of yeah, it's the concept of fire. You know, it's beautiful. It's controlled. It's 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 not over consumed. Mm. Um, and I think you know, so, so yeah, there's still there's still great. Watch a TV show. Uh, watch a movie on Netflix. Like, no, there's nothing wrong with that. The thing that's wrong with it is watching it every single night, and that's all you do: consuming, mm. consuming, consuming, and not taking a step back and and uh, and looking at what I think as well. What the the old way we used to consume media versus how we consume the media now. One of the key differences is the pace, and I, and I sort of read this concept in the book about that how we, the entertainment in our world doesn't move at the same pace as the world around us does. How can you expect a kid in, you know, he's 10 years old to sit down and do fractions and decimals when he can go home and play Call of Duty? Mm. Like, the pace at which those games and the media and the entertainment move is not reflective of how the world around us moves. It's mm. very slow. Evolutionary speaking, tens of thousands of millions of years it takes shit to happen and now shit happens in two seconds and a lot of shit it's very stimulating it's very engaging yeah so how can we expect to get the real depth out of anything when we are constantly consuming things at such a pace and things are given to us without our need to delay the gratification to really engage with the content i mean it comes mm. back to the netflix releases one series and you can just watch the whole fucking thing in a day right i'm pissed when they don't yeah, exactly. You know, Disney Plus does Loki once a week, and it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I need it now. Yeah, yeah, I want it now. And and it's that disconnect between, uh, and I think that's kind of the issue that technology, one of the things that technology steals from us is appreciation of how the world, the pace at which the world moves. Yeah. And, and it, it moves much slower than what technology moves at. And how we consume technology, but it's in the slowness that things are much deeper and much more beautiful. Would you ever consider that it could be the other way around? Maybe the world needs to speed up. If it's an inevitability that we have the screens, and I mean, you could argue the same way and say, like, we should just, you know, if everyone's just going to get addicted to smoking, we should just just deal with a short lifespan and adapt to a lifestyle with it. But I mean. There's definitely some benefits, like you said, to technology. I, I agree. I think the the sort of giving into it mentality is an argument that I, I don't think is fully evolved because we haven't. You're not considering how it affects. The world around you but also how i help you personally i think just saying like oh we, if it's better if you all just consume more mm. i think is is a difficult stance to take and i think because we by by continually cons- consuming i think it's not about what the real value in life. And then that comes back to if you just engage, I think that's what the question comes back to. If you just consumed content on social media and then that's just what life is and just fuck it, right? That's what it is. You're making a very shallow assumption about what life's about, what about how you should live your life. And that is that you should live your life somewhere else. 
and that life is best lived either by viewing someone else's reality or looking forward to someone else's reality or, or, or recalling your own, mm. right? And I think that if that's what you agree with, if you think that life is best lived somewhere else except now, mm. then by all means, social media, you know, overconsumption of, of, of TV shows and movies, that's one certainly one way to achieve that goal, but I think so. It's, I think it's a it's a, a philosophical question: is okay, how how best to consume your life, mm. and or how best to let your life be consumed. And I think for me, I would certainly argue that the best way to consume your life is being as present as you possibly can, and by putting us putting screens in our lives. That's one of the main things I think it steals from us is the ability to be present. Mm. So I think just bowing to the inevitability of of technology invading our lives is a is a philosophical way of saying that we're happy to be somewhere else except the present and i would seldom find a person who truly believes that mm. I, you know i'm really interested to understand that that someone would rather be somewhere explicitly saying that I would rather be somewhere else than I am right now, but I think not, and have a healthy mental state. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, how do you, I mean, I guess it's like, um, why is it so hard then to have this conversation with some people? So hard to have the conversation around, get away from the computer as much, yeah. away from the phone, particularly partners. Um, why you, the Facebook or the Instagram thing seems so alluring, yet, you know, we want to have that conversation. People seem so attached to it. Mm. I think um, it's a, it's a it's a great it's a great question. I think Naomi struggles with it a lot because um, it does counteract the idea of you know no everybody really does want to be present, and I mean they might want something, but the idea of everyone's actions seem to be so different to different us. to to what we all know is good for us. And I guess that comes back to like why do we do things that are bad for us at all? But um, yeah, I, I'll be quite honest, I haven't quite underst- fully figured that question out. And I think what we touched on earlier around uh, opening it up as a problem, people are starting to realise what it's doing mm. and then also realising the mental health issues from it. That, that, but yeah, is a starting point to, to, to shift people away from their phones. But... You, it's a narrative that appears and then we just kind of sink back into mm. uh, addiction and, and screen time. And, you know, I've, uh, it's, it's sort of ironic. I have wrote a, wrote a book about all this sort of stuff and, and, and um, I don't know, I, I take a very strong stance towards it personally in my life. But my wife, on the other hand, doesn't. We've talked about it lots and lots of times and she, she admits it. She knows it. She'll say this, watches too much, goes on her phone. The screen time report comes up on a Sunday. It says four hours a day. I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like oh, wow. Like, that's 30% of your waking life. But it doesn't feel like she's on it a lot. That, like, it's a, to, like, I notice, I even notice myself, who, who I have it on Do Not Disturb, by the way, all day. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Particularly with not working. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. can dog to no, me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I happily do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 
find it really difficult to to set that expectation for people that it wouldn't be I'm not going to be around with the phone. It's um it's amazing how <clears throat> how impolite it is to be inaccessible. Mm. Whereas for the majority of human history that was the normal. Mm. You were not instantly accessible. Mm. In fact, you were days or weeks away from being accessible well, right? why, why do people want this like i feel like that because i've always been had that stance i feel like you gave it to me a little bit because you knew i'm preaching to the choir a little bit around mm. i don't like the phones get it away from me yeah kind of thing i don't know when when did people decide to want to be available all the time and i feel like when you're locked into that phone that's connected like that's available all the time like that's how i look at the phone use specifically or any facebook any sort of use like that it's always available Confused. I'm so extroverted, and all I want to do is get away. When I, I want to have the choice mm. when I'm going to be engaging with people, not always feel available to be engaged with. It's it is a amazing psychological obligation. I think that's arisen from the internet. Is, mm. is being instantly accessible and, and and you know connected in inverted commas all the time, right? And mm. and, and I, I I very much argue we're not. <laughs> connected at all oh yeah i love that yeah 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 i think that's that's it's another it's a misused word that we want that we're connected when we're not connected we're available yeah we're always available oh yeah yeah there's no there's fuck facebook is not in connections (laughs) and i love your connection with the corporate world there how you're implying with all the all the extra connectivity apps yeah 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 yeah. and services that are out there i completely they just are used for making you distracted or maybe forcing you to just stare at a screen waiting for a ping, you know, it's, so you can feel available, you've done your job, waiting to do the work, for the email to show up. Like, oh, those curses people that reply in 30 seconds. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel, I feel gross. <laughs> it's, uh, and that is the, um, what, what is the, what's the right way to phrase this? The, the momentum that's built to generate these, um, connectivity or productivity applications like slack and and microsoft teams and every other fucking messaging service that you have on your computer at work in between that is exactly that that is the to be employed in a corporate world is to be accessible all the time Mm. unless you're the ceo if you're not like if you're not the, the ceo then you should be available to be pinged or emailed or contacted at any point in your day mm. and it is an amazing fucking thing that that's people's job is to be available that is the majority of corporate people's job is to be available i can't believe we'd never had this i loved you reading in that you and leah talking about it and all these things and like where have you like i feel like <laughs> haven't you seen or talked i've been doing i agree I know, completely i, I, I just I, I, um, yeah. I just it's so funny to hear it in such detail and thought out because I've been thinking this for years and you feel strange. I mean, I feel like something was wrong. Like when I'm going, this, this is too easy. This is boring. Mm. Nothing's going on. I'm something is wrong. Like I'm not needed here. I don't feel needed. This is, I feel like it's nice to have me around, but I don't <laughs> yeah. feel needed. Yeah. And so like I do the opposite to all this. I like, I'll show you how unneeded I can be <laughs> yeah. and just keep dodging things and avoiding things for years and years and years with huge amounts of downtime. So it was, it's great to hear that my, both my brother and sister are equally as dumbfounded when it comes to corporate land. I mean, I've talked to Leah about this a few times. Leah works for a little 
start like a startup energy company and she has everything she gets texted by a boss she gets emailed by a boss she gets slacked by a boss and they've got some other fucking thing as well and i think they've got teams they've got four or five ways that her boss four or five ways that her boss decides to communicate with her at the same time and i used i had this on i worked for the startup for a little bit they would um <laughs> they could never figure out what uh, video conference software they wanted to use. We started with Zoom, mm-hmm. we went to Teams, went to, you know, uh, fucking Google Meets. And I'm just like, gee, just pick a fucking... Yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Oh, this one's user experience. No, fuck off. It's switch all the video. Just click join. Like, yeah. You know, and it, it, it... And again, they had the same thing. I was on... I had Slack and they would Slack me, email me and text me all for the one thing. And I'm just like, this... this what? How is this okay to everyone it's oh, not just them and corporate big old combank they organize a, a a messaging service for all our incidents so anything going wrong with any of the applications mm. in the systems in the bank which send out to everybody a text to the right people and an email kind of generated thing to both technical side and not technical side people so we do that big launch for that still despite that people want like so despite that certain people want emails different groups want to email they want it set up differently and managers are happy to go for this people that have gone on the initiative because the people that want these sort of customized notifications are paying for the service that we have so like yeah we understand that's a standardized group wide in a way to communicate but we also want emails so they get emails for everything they get we're breaking standards already then some of the execs they want texts personal texts so you send them a text and there's managers that are encouraging this behavior there's managers that will see will CC me in a group text to say, hey, what's going on with, with something when it's completely out of process. Now I've got a text. I've got emails and teams to like to work with, as well as there's also a conference call, like a physical conference call discussing what's going on. And they all want this thing. This is the biggest bank in Australia with huge things. They should just have one communication channel. But everyone's happy to kick and scream with 30 or 40 others. And then shit all gets done. Shit all gets done because I love that actually example where you're talking about Fred, let's call him at your old job with 300 tabs open all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, reading part of that helped me realize some of my own perspectives around, I love doing so much and I have to, I have to plan regularly, otherwise I end up getting the clusterfuck of ideas <laughs> and getting nowhere. So like, it's like, yeah, right, I've got too many tabs open. Take okay. a step back. Cool. Just knock out one of these things. Yeah. That can just put, I can put on the sign, just focus on one or two things. And even when I'm talking about it, don't talk about the things I've put down. Just talk about the things that are out in front of me, the mm. next two steps. And it does make you feel so much happier in general. Like, you're happier when you're focused. 100%. Which is yeah, one I'm... of these books, but yeah, you're way happier when you're, in, you're single-minded. And the whole meditation thing comes all around to that too. It's way better having just a few things you're doing rather than heaps of 30 tabs open. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of the realisation that, that convinces people to move in the uh, disconnected, let's use that word, direction, is is that thinking about something undistractedly is actually a really amazing way to be happy. Mm. Is it like to, to feel good? Mm. You know, I talk about flow, and flow is is the best way this concept has ever been communicated. Mm. But you know, being undistracted means you can get into a state of flow, and being in a state of flow means you progress as a human but you also build things that are of value and you step back you go okay shit like i did something whereas you know if you're 
if you're at work and you got it, email comes up, someone's sending you a team, someone's sending you a message on, we use Jabber, and then you've got your own Facebook going off on your phone while WhatsApp goes off and someone's texting you and, and you're trying to get a coffee at the same time. It's like, our brains. Here's <laughs> like, anxiety. I used to come over to your to the house at the parents' place mm. when the when Ale- Alessia was really bad with the crying and the dog was at some point of annoyance and whatever yeah. was hot. And just going from Zenland where I was at in Jellico mm. to all this Noise. stuff and yeah, people yeah. are talking to each other, talking over each other. Three, I, I, I used to just give me anxiety. I used to have to leave. It's just too much. Mm. It's crazy. Dan um, would tell me, my good friend, he'd have his phone and I'd tell him, I guess, no, I don't get, I don't have anything that pings me when I was working. No messages come up, no notifications. It rings. It's the only thing it does. It's like, wow, geez, I wish I could do that. I'm like, you why can. don't you? you, can. <laughs> like, you yeah. Why don't you do it? Like, it's so nice. Like, Be an inconvenience. Yeah. Absolutely. fucking Like, I've got this, <laughs> yeah, I, I've right. got this uh, phone. I call it a like phone. And all it does is send texts and calls. There's no internet. It's, it's and the user interface is a piece of shit. It's so ah, fucking yeah. laggy and it's annoying. But all it does is send texts and calls and it gives me a little ping with little asterisks that tells me if I got a text message. That's all. There's no apps, nothing. Right? It is inconvenient as fuck. Right? And Naomi hates it. She said, "Do you have that goddamn light phone again?" I said, "Yes, I do." But <laughs> I am so much happier. When that thing is on my desk yeah. versus my iPhone's on my desk. Yeah. I fucking hate my iPhone being on fucking my desk. Fucking hate the iPhone. Like, <laughs> and now that it, and like it and then just creep it creeps back into oh I have to have the double vaxxed fucking thing on my phone. So I gotta take my life from my iPhone with me now anyway. Alright, so I'll take my iPhone around with me and I've to work. Choice, you know, right? you got, like so it's a bit but I mean, hopefully when that stops I'll bring it back into my and I still use the iPhone a lot at home. Um but yeah, being an inconvenience, like, like you know, Dan having this, we feel this obligation to be available. We feel this obligation to, you know, be connected all the time. And it's like, wow, that's just, that's, where did that social rule come into play? Mm, mm. That That's how we have to live, because it's just not. It's not, it's it, not. And it's interesting, it is a standard we kind of put in to mm. be so available too. But I feel like it's almost a subconscious one too, because initially, a while ago, I just stopped, t- I just stopped telling people, I, Years ago, I don't te- I don't respond to texts very often. I tell them very clearly: don't have Facebook, don't have Instagram, and I very rarely respond to texts. I'm not in some tuning caravan. I'm trying to pick up chicks all the time. <laughs> I don't need to be flipping out texts and trying to. If someone like I can have a general conversation to organize my next thing or a phone call, that's it. I'm not here to have chats every day. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. still, <laughs> still, I get ten to fifteen messages every day to the point where I've done this for years where I have like a time slot of the day where one hour I will respond or maybe 30 minutes, sometimes it takes an hour to respond to texts mm. just to, to be on my phone. I lock out and I, I dread it. Sometimes I'd let it build up for days and days worth of texts. Just that takes so long to respond to. That's so good. And eventually in, in train, it, it got people used to it. People would just know. And not only that, you realize too, it's like, how little do I care? When I send a text, I'm going to respond back for a week or two. Mm, you start Nearly changing, none. Right? Yeah, it's good. Zero. Yeah. But I never had. And I think that too, I'm like, maybe most people don't actually give a shit. If the text is around, you give yourself, you know, reason. I can see the text coming through, kind of get a heads up. Like, if mum's like, help me, I'll like, <laughs> probably get back to that one. Yeah, yeah. But you can say, okay, cool, cool. It's there. I've noticed it. Not a big deal. It's If somebody's wanting something, you'll still do the right thing if they're important. They need you. There's somebody important to you. But otherwise, mm. it's... 
It's another and job then, for another time. It's no, it's no way to shape your life around emergencies. Oh, what happens if there's an emergency it's and someone needs to? No one has ever fucking never. called me and said you need to be here in five minutes, otherwise someone's dead. No, that will. That's why they have the fucking ambulance and the police. Yeah, what can I do? What can I what do? What can I do? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not needed for an emergency <laughs> at a moment's notice. Right? No. It is the. <laughs> But if, but if I'm organizing something, like, I feel like a dick because I get, sometimes I've made the mistake of, like, okay, cool, I'll be here at 12.30 today and, you know, I'll, I'll be, we'll meet somewhere. Some some minute things change or we're still figuring out some kind of detail, like exactly where. I'll see you in Sutherland 12.30. If I don't respond, because I just don't look at my phone, right? If I don't respond until 10, like 20 past 12, you've got no notice on where we're going to meet and suddenly, oh shit, I've got to tell him where I've got to meet. I forget to do things like that because I'm so disconnected. Yeah. So there's still, I still feel, so there's times again for leading up to hanging out, like I'm leading up to hanging out with you. I'll turn my phone on loud. I'll let the messages roll just for a period. But it's so deliberate and, and it's, that's, it's a, you're, it's a deliberate way with which you are engaging with something mm. that is often passively consumed mm. and in being deliberate, you are making a decision about how you want to do that mm. and, and engage with people and in considered ways that consider them, but also your your own needs to, to not be accessible. All First the time. and foremost, too. You know, it, absolutely, that yeah. makes me better for them at the end of the 100%. day. I had Josh Peters call me every fucking day, my friend. So he's ADHD as hell and it's getting worse with the lockdown. He called me every day. So he called me on a. a I just ignored it. I'm like, I can't deal with this right mm. now. And then the next day again, then twice the day after that one, and then again in the afternoon. Seven days. Took two days off, then called me for another three in a row. Didn't get the hint that I wanted space. I didn't want to talk. I'm not angry. I just want to be left alone. I got to think out some stuff. Mm. Bizarre. Who doesn't get that? It's (laughs) unreal. But reading this certainly gave me wicked confidence to continue and to pursue the lunacy that is avoiding screens. How much I want to... I've wanted like this for ages, just to break them. Just to like, uh, even my computer screen, which I, I got a nice new one, right? Because I want to play this video game. Like, I want to enjoy these things still in life, in balance and yeah. in moderation. But they are big sinks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to sink the time into this. Yeah, that's that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. committing this time for that. But still, I loathe it. Still, I just want to get rid of it all. I am... Um you think about the fact that life was lived in such a way for so many hundreds of millennia that we didn't need screens as part of our life. Mm. I I remember reading uh, C.S. Lewis's autobiography and him talking about what a day was like for him and that, you know, he he would read by candlelight at night and then he'd go to bed and he'd wake up and he'd do some study and go for a walk and I'm like, wow, that's a really simple fucking day. Lovely. But like the reality that that actually happened in in this world. Do you know what I mean? Like that act that people lived life in such a way that they did not need to go at home and, and turn the TV on. They didn't have a phone. Like wow. Like I just. I it feels. I, you know, in two senses, I feel so attractive, but also so mm. idealistic. Yeah, yeah foreign. Right. Just get ab- real. Absurd. How yeah. could you possibly you about? have? Read. anything like, yeah, like yeah. you know all you do is you read different books like and i'm just like yeah but i mean to your to your point like i just mm. i'd lo- i but there's a part of me right like, yeah would love to just have not not have a tv at home mm. you know and yeah it would probably be a pretty shit month like or i'd be like a bit you know jittery like detoxing off screens and mm. but like you know what? i might walk out i'm after a month and i might 
be a bit calmer and um, you know I think I'd be a bit happier and I think I'd be more engaged with the world around me. I know? think it's dangerous too. Um, you know, like I like what you're saying with the the tech. I mean, in the Ikigai book, one of the references they were saying were talking about um, Tolkien and how he writes, and he uses like a legacy machine. There's nothing on it. It's like DDoS. Tick 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 tick. Mm. No distractions. Super simple. It writes like oh, that. Oh, um, the guy on uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tol- Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Um. That's, yeah, whatever. Anyway, just clarify. <laughs> Did I say Tolkien? You said Tolkien. Well, I meant Tolkien. He writes it with like that, Tolkien's I think. Tolkien's from the 30s. Is he? Yeah, 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 Tolkien's. Well, cool. But okay, he's a, he's a, how about um, Hunter S. Thompson? Um, or better, he was right on a typewriter. Okay. Uh, Quentin Tarantino writes written. Oh, really? Doesn't use, writes yeah, his yeah, scripts, yeah, chooses yeah, wow. to write it written. So there's a big, there's, a, there's definitely a connection, what I'm finding, at least with awareness, creativity, and ability, because of that boredom and that loneliness, it allows you to fester these sort of yeah. foster the ideas. To I don't want to be bored. I gotta find something else to do. You find ideas and that and that creativity in it. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I think that's boredom is the most feared state of our like feared state of being for most people. Like. Mm. And like one that is not really ever experienced because you don't need to be bored. Mm. You could have your phone, and your phone allows you to never be bored. But th- this this creates a problem. To sort of cut you off in it all, but I just don't want to lose a thought with it. Is yeah. That, is um it creates the what we're trying to do is a real isolating measure. Now, when you stop using Facebook and Instagram, you stop watching. It doesn't just separate you from the cultural standards, but it also like separates you from the way you're thinking. Because I'm noticing what happens the more I read and the conversations change to me. People are talking about their day and whatever and everything's so shallow. We talk about that deep conversation. And then I whip something out about, oh yeah, I love that quote from this thing. That's what that means to me. And I'll bring it up in a way of something I've referenced lately or read lately. I, ha- you can't, I can't find a soul that's having the same kind of conversations. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. And it's not... And uh, it just doesn't exist sometimes. It's not sometimes really at all. No, it's hard to find. It's, it's not just, I can have the deep conversations around theoretical thinking and push people down the ideas, but generally when it comes to referencing things or books or just the way of thinking, it's, it is really difficult to find. And I don't know if it's, it's um, and I only noticed it once I started reading and stopped watching as much shows. Mm. And it might just be because what my focus is is different and the society that we're in has a different focus. I mean, you talk about those sort of guys who... Who write in an obscure sort of way, and the attractiveness of those people is like I'd I would want to be friends with someone who who wanted to think like that or wanted to engage as a writer or as a, in a in their profession in such a way that you know I, I, yes I you find this connection with you know Quentin Tarantino of handwriting things how absurd but also how beautiful at the same time that he would do that. And, and to your point, those people are so rare to find that desire to think in such or engage with the world in such a deliberate way. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, so I think, you know, you're right, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's this moving away from a society that does that is shallow to a place of depth, but it's an isolated place of depth because mm. the people who, who, who are there are often the social 
infrastructure to find other people who think like that it's not in place i think this comes like to a, a thought that i had with all of this is that how is then do how are we then establishing greater connections we're doing deeper connections right less connections yes better connections yeah. so that way 100 percent. and yeah i i don't know the um the person is it's just a theory around how many people how many friends you can actually sustain yeah and you know it's very little it's like it's 100 like, people coming yeah 100 in. people in your world but then the close friendships like 10 max mm. right and and again like there's you know we we value the influencer with a million followers rather than the person with 10 friends who they can actually pull mm. their heart out to those 10 people mm. right and you, you build up children in that world and more is better and it's like no 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 depth is better mm. finding those those two or three humans you can talk to and 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 engage with in such a deep way mm. i think there's a, a a speech i reference a few times in the book by um william Dereritz, and he talks about leadership versus solitude and i really really love the speech and he talks about solitude one of the ways to explain that way is experience solitude is friendship, uh, which is which is a bit counterintuitive, because he you know solitude seems to preclude the state of being alone, but he references this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson that that goes something on the lines of that the, the soul wants to be with other people in such a way that it wants to know itself better, and so having these kinds of conversations allows not us to grow in friendship but also us to understand our own selves better. Whereas now friendship has, as I think William Dreyer says something like, you know, friendship is, sit, you know, sitting in the room with three other people whilst you're Facebooking two others, listening to music and, and texting one. Like that's, that's not friendship, it's distraction. Yeah. That's what we have instead. We don't have friendship. Mm. We have distractions. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like you, I haven't really found anyone Beside yourself, who who really I think is is as as active in combating this, and not to say you need to be as active as perhaps we are in combating this sort of this this world, but I think you know I'd probably rather find the beauty in solitude than the the shallow shallowness in in, in being connected for perpetually, mm. and that's probably what the choice is. I think it's. I think if we can get. I think we're at the very much the stage of acceptance and running with it. Uh, I think more and more people kind of. Maybe that's why we're a bit of bit ahead of the game with it. But I do feel people don't like it. Yeah. You know, and I feel people are making that move, particularly as we get older. Mm. And there are people out there that that will and do talk like that. I think it's not even just the. I think it's hard to find the people that not just to move away from technology, but have the deeper conversations that are willing to have the the, the chats that mean more. To make that depth because mm. I feel like that's probably maybe a crutch I often think to myself the people that listen heavy metal have a real difficulty being able to communicate emotions so they just lose their shit <laughs> well I feel like people have a crutch and an inability to perhaps dive into depth of their conversations so they use shallow ones to replace that need they continue to use the social media and the screens and the short lived sitcoms to replace the de- depth that they mm. don't have and that they're looking for mm. there's definitely no need for that to express yourself fully and like you said, to have lots of little relationships, you can at least see yourself represented in lots of them as opposed to truly see yourself with clarity in a few really good ones. Mm. 
And I could see that being terrifying because it is quite an identity loss, losing things like literally losing Facebook or Instagram. You're losing an identity. Absolutely. And everything else that comes along with not watching the the TV shows. But you are totally right. It does become something that is, I feel so, so chaffed. I, I only got Facebook when I was like 23. Yeah, yeah. Didn't use it for two years and left it there. I feel so chuffed that I never even jumped on the bag. I tell people, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was out of it before it was cool to be out of it. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> um, it's lovely. I think it also gives credit to a bit of discernment on, I guess, the family's part with that tooting our own horns. None of us got into it. Mm. None of us liked it. you know. And we can see its detriments and we see it manifesting more and more. It's um, a great flow on to some of these natural behaviors I feel like a lot of us had. But do you think that, as adults at least, do you think that that was fostered as a result of the Guild Wars experience that you talk about? Do you think it was a learned behavior for you um, that you've now decided, like, look at what that did, now I don't want to do this anymore? Yeah, that's a good, a good question. I think it, it certainly influenced how I look at the world of screens now playing copious amounts of computer games as a, as a, as a teenager beat I think like 3,000 hours when Guild Wars or, or, or other games wow yeah um, wow which is just a lifetime at 16 right which is just insane I never realised you know because I wasn't playing at that age much We'd, I remember you and me having the best times playing that fucking they were the best gaming experiences I remember the only ones I remember playing Warcraft 3 the frozen the tower defense yeah, stuff yeah frozen throne yeah yeah best yeah. times ever yeah yeah that was wicked but you think about I mean, but you add all of it up right you add that with Fable on Xbox with mm. uh, FIFA on PS2 with Donkey Kong I and Pokemon Halo and, Halo, yeah, you, you, um, and then the bigger ones the Guild Wars the World of Warcrafts um Call of Duties, like this, it just goes on, right? And then you throw a bit of TV in there, and oh, then before yeah. you fucking know it, it's like, well, th- there's definitely ten thousand hours in there. Oh yeah, easy, right? And we and we talk about that a lot, ten thousand hours. But um, yeah, I mean, the Guild Wars is definitely the defining sort of mm. kingpin, if you will, in, in that whole in a cornerstone in that, in that whole sort of addiction for me. And I remember so many times as as a as a kid, I'm like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to a cold turkey. I'd yeah. Like, yes. I'd, I'd delete characters and I'd like throw shit away. Like, lift, like I had like a keyboard and like fucking throw the keyboard in the bin. Like I'm just like, it was really like, I was like trying to flush the drugs down the toilet kind of a thing. And then with things, Oh, let's play a little bit. And then like, you know, it's holiday at the end of the year holidays. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. All right. I'm just gonna relax, play some Guild Wars. And like six weeks later, it's like, Oh, shit (laughs) you know it's just gonna wake up to it all of a sudden it's like i should really stop this again and you just but you just kept falling into this habit and um it definitely it it definitely shapes um how i view technology and screens today yeah um uh, absolutely but and i think the fact that it was it was really passive is that we never made some conscious decision to play video games in the pursuit of other things it was just we would play video games because they were fun and that's what was in our world at the time and 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 we didn't we didn't understand we didn't understand what that meant how about do you ever think i mean it gave us a lot of pleasure and taught i think there's a lot of lessons in video games that tv would have never taught us 
And most of my video game experience, most of it, when I was younger, was playing games with you. We'd play Fable and Spyro oh, separately, yeah. but together. Yeah, yeah. We would play that. Mario Kart like together. We would Halo was a co-op thing. Mm. Uh, Guild Wars and um, World of Warcraft, I could not sink into. I couldn't. I gave it some time. It was a real different experience, but it allowed me to contrast the training I did. Or it made me so... Pro- I never watched... I hated watching TV a lot. We'd watch about an hour and a half, I remember, in the morning and the evening. It'd be like three Simpson episodes when oh, I was yeah, a teenager. Of, yeah, and yeah. when I was a kid, it'd be three of those cheese TV yeah. episodes. And I remember that being the absolute zombie time. They, but video games are always something I could talk with you about or would solve a problem together. Um, it's very reminiscent. Very social as well. When I play it, yeah. at least. And I played it... I, though I have had the problems where I would just play the times on my own were really suffering like when you do it ages you get frustrated and angry and it's a real different experience but uh, I don't know I feel like there's a balance in it I don't completely I'm annoyed at the time I wasted on it but I'm more, more annoyed at the time I wasted on TV and I feel like Guild Wars would have taught you a lot too I think it definitely wasn't as social as, a, as an experience as perhaps your gaming experience might have been. I played Guild Wars by myself. Like, I think, I remember you and, and Josh's and Jake and Joel and everyone kind of got on it. I'm like, oh, what's this game? I was like the last guy there and you all kind of left as I jumped on. And I kind of just stayed yeah. with it for God knows how long. Um, but, uh, so it wasn't as, as social. Um, but you're right, there's this sort of, it's a wonderful, there's, there's stories to it and there's this character and there's, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of fun to be had out of it. But um, I, I, I think, I mean, two two things. One is, again, it was a, a raging fire for me. It was it was out of control. And, mm. it, and it very easily gets there for, I think, a lot of people. Um, and, and I think it's a question of bringing it back into a place of, well, there is fun and, and there is an outlet for stress and, and, and the world we live in. And so, you know, it, this, it's not an anti-computer game stance. Now, I might have taken that more personally in my life now because of my experience with addiction previously. Yeah, yeah. it's I, like it's, an it's ex-smoker. A, it's, kind of yeah, 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 100%. Um, and, and, and so I, I don't touch your stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> horrible, 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 horrible. Who are you convincing? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly not a stance of... Of, of nothing it's, I see a place for it but mm. I think to the earlier point though it, it's you find I think we find more happiness on the other side we find more happiness when you're thinking and you're engaged and, and you have you, you're building you're in a state of flow I come back to that a lot because mm. it's really good but you know computer games get you into flow because it's really easy to get you there and the dopamine is great but when you're outside of computer games in a state of flow when you're learning and writing and reading and, and doing other things that are really Freaking hard, yeah. yeah. But the value you get out of that's so much more to what the value you get out of computer games. So I don't think it was an empty hole, but I think there was more depth to be found elsewhere. Mm. Um, and I hope, I, I would hope that's the kind of mentality I take with uh, Alessia and, and, and my kids. Is there's a place for this stuff? If you want to play some video games, and okay, there's a place for it. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to be that kind of crazy parent that really monitors it and, and, and puts a framework in place whereby I help you control it. Because I know as a kid you can't. And um, I know there's better things found elsewhere. Yeah. I think, the, and the best, I feel like it's difficult. Like, that always scares me. Like, 
is the best mechanism to just yourselves just always have better activities on, on, on tap. I used to like going to youth group and um, like even just doing youth group leading at churches, even when I wasn't a Christian, because I thought this is better for kids to be here than doing some other shit that I would, would have wanted to have done at 15, 16, 17. Mm. Like I would have loved to have just go and just cause a little trouble. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, this, you know, it's just, again, good and bad in that, right? It's good to be mischievous and get in trouble as a 16-year-old, but then, you know, finding positive outlets, is, having the positive outlets outweigh those sort of negative ones is the way to progress forward. And right? I think it's your responsibility, right, to figure out what those are going to be. I mean, how, so then I guess, how does it look like for your life that's the substitutes for TV, substitutes that are, that are interesting and not just, because things need to be purely cathartic, Right. When I tried to use my downtime and turn it into uptime, like reading, and well, I, I don't like I like I like reading um, nonfiction, you know. So it's not chill mm. often. So it's it can be tiring and, and it's hard to wind down sometimes or find those cathartic enjoyments. When our previous addiction for catharticism is screens. Yeah. He's... What do you what's what are you what are you doing to substitute it? Like how are you managing it? That's cathartic. It isn't yeah, screens. Yeah. You feel rested because there's that too. There's a there's definitely the aspect of screens that allows you to wind down from screens. Definitely, you know, uh, like to you know from to a computer out. to a TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but like you know, you go from a whole day on, on emails and, and phone calls and Zoom and you're staring at a screen for eight hours a day with, with work, and you jump across to Seinfeld for two episodes, and your brain kind of just turns off a bit and and, and melts out. Um, and so you sort of compare that with you know, hundred years ago when people didn't have such intense information jobs and their ways of relaxing were reading books or going for walks and much more mellow activities. It's like, well, you see the fact that, okay, it's, it's not a bad thing to watch 30 minutes of TV at night, but chill the fuck out. Right. Like, okay. I do watch a TV series it's called PTI. It's where like two guys yell at each other for 20 minutes about the sports. Confession. I knew it. Yeah. Get it. Turn the tap off. Get the spotlight out of his face. We're good. Tell his um, wife and kid that she, they can go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, there's. It is hard in a world, particularly when I'm like I think when you're employed in such a way with where you're so engaged with screens all day, yeah. to to find outlet to to find a way to relax, but that isn't utilizing the same utilizing screens. On the same note, though, I do find it very relaxing to read fiction now. I'm getting trying to get more into it, in inverted commas, but instead of turning from, uh, you know, computer to TV to bed, of computer to book to bed, or listening to music as an isolated activity in and of itself. Um, so, like, not on Spotify, pulling a CD out, putting it in a CD player, you know, phones in the other room. I just, I just only thing I do is listen to music for mm. thirty minutes. It's like, again, that's the way people used to relax, and that's. And I think it's, but in those other activities that hopefully I can move towards a place of finding a way to unwind in those things. There's more. There's so much more to be found in them than there is in PTI or in Seinfeld or in something else that is a mind. I was admittedly a mind numbing experience mm, mm. and i think if if you can if i can start to move towards those things then 
my relaxation is going to be even better because I'm doing relaxation with the more to it than just mind-numbing Seinfeld. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know? Ignorance is not awareness. It's not like being ignorant to all the noise and everything like by watching shows and stuff mm. like that isn't being present you know you want to be aware yes. of self to be kind of there like doing those tasks allows you to kind of quiet the noise down a bit and chill yeah yeah um, definitely clearly i've been listening to a lot of my yoga courses lately and uh, but yeah it, it's 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 such a good point and i think it's like i like the idea of things limiting tv to an hour a day um or only watching it if there's a show I actually want to watch. Because mm. I love that thing you're talking about collecting CDs endlessly for years, right? And um, it's funny how much, even though we haven't lived together for ages, how despite that and our divergent thoughts, <laughs> how similar some of the things are that we do. Like, I've got a set of really nice headphones connected to an isolated amp. It's very, like, you know? Yeah. Shmushy, shmushy. But uh, <laughs> put these headphones on that feel like nothing. They're open-ended, so the whole room has to be quiet. And then I find this, the album that I'm looking for, and I find for the highest quality one I can. Mm. And I'll hit play, and I'll listen to some music and eat some food. Like, maybe nibble on some snacks. Mm. Um, and then that's my kind of my kind of CD equivalent, mm. right? I have to use a screen for it. And the same with meditating, too. Like I have to use a screen to yeah, sometimes to get my... Like yeah, 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 for that, too. But I think that's that. I mean, I touched on this in one of the chapters in the book. And it's kind of what we're getting at. Is the technology is the fact we're losing real leisure. There is so much uh, depth in music, for mm. example, that is just lost. On, on yeah. you know, you think of uh, of the process of writing albums of the Beatles and the Fooies and all these amazing bands that how they would think and tink with little sounds for days and days on end, and they really squeeze the shit out of every note they would play. And, you know, and the, I love the Fooies, the Sonic Highways that go to different venues because they sounded a little bit different. Like, holy shit, that's so fucking deep. And yet, like, I'm listening to music at the same time I'm replying to emails. Yeah. And, and like, there's just nothing. It's just noise, right? <laughs> and <Very> respectful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we, we, and I think that's, it's, we innately assume that the only way to wind down sometimes is turn the TV on. It's like, well, no, you've got music, you've got books, you've got make something, take a course, like go and fucking build a table. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I like, like just, I love that reference in there. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's, 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 we get so narrow, narrow about our perspective sometimes about how do you, you know, live in such a world and this uh, people do some amazing shit you know like uh, you know uh, i want to be the, tan- the, the the camping family i want to be the family of the caravan like oh, let's go and do something let's go and be just go and be something else as these families are going caravan trips yeah yeah oh yeah these kind of things that people so do all this stuff right? people <laughs> make shit people you know fix cars or mm. you know that's um a shop uh, the, the book you read uh i'm meant to read it soon the soul cra- shop class says soul craft Oh, no, you read Motorcycle. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, Zen and the Art of Zen Motorcycle. Zen and the Art yeah, yeah, yeah. the same guy wrote another one called oh. Sh- uh, Shop Classes Soulcraft, right? So we're making things as a way to build your soul up. And like, yeah, it's 100% we've lost that. Like, how much cooler would be you come home instead of the, t- the couch oriented around a TV, there's a seat oriented around a desk or, or a, a uh, workbench, right? Oh, I can't stress to you how much most of my work career feels just silly because it was all up in the cloud. Mm. You know, like changes have made here, and I'm like watching applications Dad had done years, decades before, uh, just disappear into the redundant nowness of it all, and just all these. It doesn't feel like anything changes. Mm. Everything's so circular. Things go out of date. And 
and the IT thing, even the course I did online, it just seems like nothing's happened. We just did something. There's no tangible thing. I think it's in here somewhere. You know, yeah, yeah. You know I kind of, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's like this is something. Mm. You know, look at this. You know, that, that's mm. a something. So you can, there's like, something yeah. very different about very about it. Tangible, right? And I think that is in compliments more so to your idea too. How is the technology is taking it away from the now. It makes it less real. Mm. It makes now less real. One hundred percent. You know, when you when you make something, and, and I talk about it a bit in. Um, it's as it's as a it's a way of finding solitude as well. A way of finding yourself better. There's a reference in the book to um, the heart of darkness, uh, the, the novel Heart of Darkness, and again, William Dororis talks about this in his speech um, and how um, oh, uh, I forget his name, the the main character sort of turns away from this corporate and this bureaucratic individual and starts to work on a ship and starts to you know, beat away at the ship and, and he kind of uncovers himself and there's something about the physical nature of work that allows you to be introspective and grow as a person. And then there, and there you're right, and there it is. You can't, like, you can't argue that the table is built. It now stands, mm. like, on four legs and you eat on it, right? Mm. Assuming, like, you know, it's very hard to argue. Okay, the nature yeah. of an email or a, a policy document or a meeting yeah. or the, you know, this is the actions from a meeting. Like, it's all... Uh, you know, there's nothing, you're right, there's no tangible fucking reality from that. No. There's just, you know, bureau- bureaucracy from that, realistically. Whereas, and I, you, you know, you, I envy people who are, who are um, laborers at times, yeah. right? Who, who do that for a living. Because, oh, wow, that's like you, you know, despite the bullshit that happens, you can still walk away and go, there's a house and yeah. I built the house. I often have that chat with my trading friends. Yeah. Especially they're complaining, like, but, but you finished a house. Yeah, yeah, you week. built something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, pretty cool right like, like do you just stop and like yeah. just take that in for a minute oh, i've got right? a friend my mate locky is so proud of everything that he he doesn't probably lay a brick he just helps coordinate he goes yeah built that building look at that one isn't that cool we had a real trouble with it so proud of it mm. you know it's um and it's funny as, as uh, you know the, the narrative that when we were in high school the idea that you or me might be a, a laborer or a carpenter uh, was just like oh you'd failed yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know to have a chance. You just would never. You oh, I never want to go to TAFE and be a carpenter. Um, yeah, mum. Like, we would have been disgusted. drawn, hung, and quartered, right? Oh, I told I told, I told him about the yoga stuff, and they sat me down like a bit of a surprise attack, a little bit during the week, and they're like, mm. "Look, we just think that the path you're going, that it's you know, you're worth more than this, and so does my uncle Michael. Like dad said to me as well. Like, oh, okay. Had, I'm like of being a yoga teacher <laughs> she's still like yeah yeah you got like there's so much more to this I'm just kind of feeling time like at the yeah, yeah. convincing that there's a bigger plan like I don't want to tell you the whole thing because it's just a plan I'm just telling you the next steps like what I'm doing now mm. but having to sell them the idea that I'll be okay yeah you know made me think to myself so much about high school and the decision I was making around no, the, this is okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like everything else is going to be a fight <laughs> yeah uh. it's, it's a difficult thing you know perhaps Alessia has the same conversation with screens for you. I, I think it's it's on me first to set the example, um, and we we it's a battle. It's it's all the time. She's she's watched Disney movies and she loves watching Disney movies. And there's there's a value in that. I love the fact that she loves The Lion King. That's it's is the story and there's a, there's and there's fun things that come from that. But again, like. But I don't want that to be all that she knows, and she she she's not like that, which I'm I'm happy about. She wants to go and play. She wants to go and read a book, and she loves to sit there and read books with me. 
and you know she'll I'll off she'll want to we'll turn the TV off and then we'll go and play and she and she'll walk away first like, okay that's yeah like that's a win like do you see more in the world around you than you do see in the screen in front of you and I was like okay yeah that's the start and it's gonna get worse screens will come in and, and there'll be more and and you know there's things I want to put in place to help her with that um, but it starts as if I'm setting the example with her and I and, and I put it in different parameters around like I'm not gonna give her an iPhone when she's 10 like I'm not fucking stupid like I'm not gonna do that stuff right so like she'll be a different kid like yeah. because of really basic things like that um, and 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 I, and I hope that she if there is some innate talent in her that she's here to provide that you know uh, that I that I put a set of boundaries of help her put some boundaries in place around screens that they don't become the reason why she didn't achieve that um, because I think and that's a bit of the, the genesis of my book was that kind of realization like oh well, I had this talent around maths and that was weird like was was odd that was unique and then it just kind of disappeared and, and reflecting it's like well that what was the the, the, the what happened it's like well computer games happen and then the screens happen mm. and it's like okay well now that I know I cannot <laughs> like I, I, I if, if she's has something similar you know I, I cannot let that happen to her and I think that's the narrative that uh, the conversation that you want to sort of have with parents is to go like it's your responsibility to help your child uncover whatever it is that they're good at mm. and putting them in, in front of an iPhone or an iPad or some fucking screen is not the way to do that mm. putting yourself in that same situation is not the way to do that you know providing them opportunities to be to, to, to disconnect and to learn and, 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 and to put themselves in, in creative situations however you want to phrase it Mm. is how you help them move towards that rather than you know, giving them an iPad to learn something on for fuck's sake yeah. <laughs> like, um, we should do um, we should do a chat sometime on the fatherhood perspective stuff I think because okay. it's so interesting because it's so, there's so much to consider in all of that oh uh, yeah, yeah what do you do with the decisions you make for the screen time versus society and one of the things I think sometimes too is how maybe one generation's so full of phones, the next generation might be really against it. You know, how there's generally a bit of like a sweet, a yeah, to and fro way, yeah. end of, of perspective. So maybe there is hope in that to see that what it's done and it'll naturally happen. And uh, yeah, I, I'd love to think that's the case. I don't think it will. I think it's too easy. Phone, phone screens and phones and, and, connectivity and dopamine via screens and phones it's just too easy and uh, there's no unless the mental health crisis really kicks up and and there's a way to connect that to screen exposure and and, and social media in a mm. way that is a huge social change and that's the only way i think you, you, you start having a generational shift in people's perspective towards it but the, the the way in which it creeps into your life without you knowing uh, and steals things from you mm. is unlike anything else that we've had before. Mm. And, uh, you know, unless we're on guard watching out, it's just going to keep doing it. Um, and I, the more conversations like this that we can, I can have with people, we can have with people, 
But you're right, people are receptive to the conversation. Like, sort of, generally speaking, they're not combative. They kind of know that something's there. Like, most people go, oh, yeah, I get it. I probably, I probably do spend too much time on my phone, which is a good starting point. It's better than going, no, nah, that's not a problem, right? But it's taking it from, it's a good starting point to an actual shift in someone's day to, that someone's day mm. is, is huge. I don't, I don't know how to bridge that gap. Well, I guess maybe to, to wrap up, what would a good day look like to you with screen time or technology involved in it? Or a good week? What's a better time frame? 